Lord, we thank you again. You're so good. Lord, thank you that sometimes when we don't know the words to pray and we don't know what to think or what to express, Father, you have given us these songs, you have given us your word, you've given us your Holy Spirit who prays alongside us, who directs our thoughts, who guides our words, and who brings glory to you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to reflect, not just reflect, but to celebrate and to praise you for the joy that you bring us, for the glory revealed in your Son, and for hope. Lord, I truly, I, I pray that, that you, would, you would impress hope upon our hearts this evening, this afternoon. I pray that you would express hope through us to those around us. Father, you would fill this place with, uh, with just a revelation of your purpose, with uh, the vision of, of your glory, Lord, and that we would, we would indeed take hope from that. Father, we pray these things uh, by, by the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, if I haven't had a chance to say so yet, Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you. I received that. Thank you very much. Um, it's uh, always a blessing to be with God's people, especially, especially when we're given this, this season and this opportunity to reflect and celebrate together on what Jesus has done and what he is continuing to do. Uh, this afternoon, I had, uh, before, before this, this afternoon, I had the opportunity, the privilege uh, to share communion with the residents at Manor Lake, where my wife works. Um, and so as, as part of that, um, Maria asked me to also do a, a, a devotion, um, and, and it occurred to me, she, she, she's told me before that a lot of these residents, they don't get to get out very often, as you can imagine, and, and many of them, many of them who are believers, many of them who have had a connection with their faith for the majority of their lives, many of them have been unable to even set foot in a church for years. And so to have communion brought to them is something special. Um, and, uh, and to have the word opened and, and, and read to them is something that they look forward to. And so as I was preparing for that, God impressed upon my heart, I, I feel like God impressed upon my heart the, the message of the hope of Christmas, and uh, and it's 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 a common theme. It's one that we sing about a lot. We see it. I, I don't know about you guys. My family has like our Christmas movie tradition, right? Where it's like every night for if it were up to me, it'd be like the whole year, right? It'd be like every night all year we would just watch Christmas movies, not the Hallmark ones, but like the good ones, <laughs> and and sing Christmas songs. Like I could literally listen to Christmas music in the summer, and that'll be fine, all right? Um, I realize that's me, okay? But the point is, um, the hope of Christmas is, is a common theme, and it's one that, uh, that, that even non-believers at this time of year are invited and encouraged to celebrate. And so what a blessing uh, to, to, to have this time. Um, and so I want to talk about that, about the hope that Jesus fulfilled and the hope that Jesus inaugurated that has yet to be completely fulfilled. 
Because over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, before the first Christmas, over 700 years before that, God's people were in desperate need of hope. And it was a common theme for them. If you've studied Israelite history or Old Testament history, you know that they went through these seasons of prosperity and seasons of despair, and they'd go up and down. Um, and, and very often, uh, they, they needed hope. They needed to be reminded that there was a grander design than what they could see. They needed to be reminded that the fulfillment, that, that, that the promise, the covenant promises that had been passed down from generation to generation were coming, even if they couldn't see it before them. And so over 700 years before Jesus was born in a manger, the Holy Spirit moved upon the servant of God, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, to write these words. And Israel is about to go into a time of exile. A big part of Isaiah's ministry and prophecy is challenging God's people to to repent, or they're going to experience the justice of God as well as his holiness. And so they're facing a time of of defeat and of exile, and it's in that context where they might be thinking to themselves, where are the promises of God? Where is the victory we've been told about and we've been reading about? Where is this? Um, Have we lost all hope? Has God turned his back on us? That Isaiah writes in chapter 9, I'm going to start in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. Again, he's writing and prophesying about joy in a time when they're about to go into exile, in a time when they're about to be overthrown by their pagan enemies. And Isaiah is writing about joy. Verse 4, For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. All those things all those things that we feel defeated by and overcome by and, un- and unable to do anything about, all those things, Isaiah says, God has burned as fuel for the fire. They're just rubbish. God's going to overcome them and consume them. Verse 6, for a child has been born for us, a son given. Authority rests upon his shoulders. In case the Israelites had forgotten who was truly in charge, in case they thought the Assyrians are the ones in charge now, or the Babylonians, or whoever else, Isaiah reminds them, no authority rests upon his shoulders. And he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace. For the throne of David and his kingdom, he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so this was a message that God preserved for his people as they were facing one of their darkest seasons. um, When the future was unknown, when, again, they would have had every reason to think we finally pushed God too far his patience and his long-suffering, his forgiveness, those things have finally run out. 
and now we're lost in, in, in despair. And it's in that context that God says, no, 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 there is hope. I'm not finished. I'm not done with you. There will come a time of rejoicing. There will come a time with everlasting peace. And then more than 700 years later, that hope was fulfilled. And as we know, uh, looking back, we know that a lot of them didn't realize it, right? A lot of them missed it. A lot of them missed the revelation of their hope. But God's word was still faithful. God was still, um, God still honored that promise. Um, And so today... We continue to celebrate Christmas. We continue to celebrate that hope. Um, And Christmas continues to have power uh, because that was not the end. Because the fulfillment of these promises, we know, uh, was not the end. And so one of the challenges that I feel like we need to be reminded every year, every Christmas, is that we don't leave hope in the manger, okay, like the rest of the world does. The rest of the world, it's like, yeah, Jesus came, and whether you kind of believe that or not, for a lot of people, it's just like a happy story. It makes them feel good for a few weeks, um, and then they get back to life as usual. Then they get back to the regular, everything else about life that kind of brings you down. But for a season, we remember there was a cute baby in a manger, and it makes for a great display, and we sing songs about it, and so there's hope, and then that's where they leave it, Right? But as believers, we know that that's not the end and that we don't leave hope in the manger because if, if our hope is exclusively in Christmas, if it's all about, if, 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 it, if it was just that Jesus was born, if it was only that the Messiah came, was revealed, and fulfilled prophecy, if that's all that happened, Scripture tells us that our hope is futile. Scripture tells us that of all people, we should be the most miserable if in this life only we have hope. So I want to read that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 16. This is Paul. And again, let me give some context here, because you might think, well, what does this have to do with Christmas? Like, where is the connection? Okay, so if you were to talk to uh, an Old Testament Israelite, you know, um, Old Covenant Israelite uh, looking forward to old covenant promises, and you were talking about hope, and then you were talking about afterlife, and you were talking about, hey, do you want to go to heaven after you die? Um, they would look at you strangely. They would, be, they, they would have no idea what you're talking about if you told them, uh, do you want to accept, and they didn't know Jesus at that time, but do you want to accept the Messiah into your heart and go uh, to heaven when you die? Because their hope was not in a disembodied spiritual um, eternity in a place called heaven. The hope for the Old Testament Jew was in a very real, very bodily, very physical resurrection. So their hope is looking toward the resurrection. And so um, in Paul's time, there there were some Jews who had lost sight of that hope. And so Paul writes this, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. So if there's no resurrection, that means even Jesus hasn't been resurrected. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. If Jesus is still, so it doesn't matter if if Jesus came and he was born of a virgin, and he fulfilled all those Christmas time prophecies, and he did all the miracles, and he died on the cross. But if all those things happened, and Jesus is still in the grave, Paul says, your hope is futile. Your hope has no purpose or meaning. Um, 
If Christ has not been raised, yeah, okay, verse, verse 18, then those also who have died in Christ have perished. In other words, everyone who believed beforehand, they have no hope. They're still in the grave. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Of all people, the believer is the most pathetic if we only have hope in this life. If it's all about just Jesus being born, Christmas, great feelings, but that's where we leave it, then how miserable are we? But in fact, verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. Um, so our hope continues. The hope of Christmas isn't left 2,000 years ago. It's ongoing. It continues. It's something that we take with us because we continue to have hope in the resurrection. And so when Jesus came and fulfilled all hope, he also brought in new hope and inaugurated a new covenant. And so um, a lot of times um, when we think about what Jesus has done for us, uh, we, we, again, we think we go from, from birth to death and then resurrection. We leave out everything in between, right? There's a whole 33 years there that we read about stories in the Bible, but when it comes to the things that we proclaim, our creeds and whatever else, um, we go straight from birth to death, right? But not only did he bring us hope in his birth, he brought us hope by how he lived. He brought us hope through his life. Because in his life, over and over again, he went around proclaiming, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near you. It's at hand. You are now able, you are now invited to interact and be a citizen of God's kingdom in the here and now. And there's hope in that. Because prior to that, the only way to interact with God was through the Levitical law, the, the high priest, the temple, all those things. Now Jesus says, no, 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 you don't have to, um, you know, hope that your prayers make it behind the veil into the Holy of Holies. You don't have to just hope that the high priest is doing his job right. Now the kingdom is near you. Now you have access to it. And what incredible hope that is. So yes, in his birth, he brought hope. In the way he lived, he brought us hope in the reality of the kingdom, with his death, he brought hope that our sins really could indeed be forgiven. Because every time we grow discouraged, every time we think, oh, I've, I've failed too much, I've gone too far, where does the Spirit direct our thoughts? To the foot of the cross. And to remember that Jesus paid it all. And there is hope for forgiveness. Not a hope that disappoints. Not a hope that we have to doubt about, but a hope that is fulfilled in promise. So in his death, he brought the hope of forgiveness and when he defeated death by his resurrection, he brought the hope of true resurrected life. We don't have to wait until we leave this planet. We don't have to wait till we leave this existence to experience eternal resurrected living. God has that for us now. God has that for us in the present. He offers us eternal life now uh, because of his resurrection. And so my challenge for us this evening is that we embrace this kind of hope in Christmas, not just the feel-good songs and the silly movies and the decorations and the lights, which I love all that. Like I said, that's like my thing. 
Okay? Um, but if that's all it is, then we are, of all people, most miserable. There's so much more hope um, in Jesus that we can reflect on and celebrate in Christmas. Um, in a minute, we're going to share the light of a simple candle. We're going to have our, our candlelight ceremony. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite the worship team to come back up. And if you've done this before, you know that you're, you're, you're handed a flame and we pass around, we share the light of a simple candle. If Christmas is real, if what Scripture tells us about Jesus and what he accomplished for us is real, then we have a whole lifetime to share a hope. The same way we're sharing that candle, the same way we're passing around a flame. And it sounds, you know, like sometimes the, the, the power of that visual image of a candlelight ceremony, sometimes that's lost on us because we do it so much or we see it so many times happening. Um, but tonight, I just, want, I just want to challenge you to, to take a minute and reflect on that. It's, it's, it's so easy to pass a fire between two people. How much easier is it if the hope of the Holy Spirit truly indwells you, how much easier is it to pass that hope along to others that we rub shoulders with, that we encounter, that are sitting next to us tonight? Okay, that is not just, a, just something that we are encouraged to do. Scripture commands us um, to embrace that hope. So no matter what comes next, we know that our hope in Jesus will not disappoint. It will not leave us um, high and dry. It's not over. It doesn't have to end here. We can celebrate Christmas uh, differently from the rest of the world because we know that Christmas was just the beginning. Uh, it's not the end. Let's pray. Father, I, I want to pray specifically that as we leave this place, you would bring someone to us who, who has lost hope. Father, I pray that, that your, your word that um, we reflect briefly on this evening, um, that it would, it would change us, that it would, it, would, it would attach itself to us, and that as we encounter others, wherever we go from here, um, that that hope would be contagious, Father. Um, we don't have to hope as the rest of the world hopes. You don't have to um, be anxious or nervous, not sure if our hope will disappoint, because we have your promises. We know that hope in you never disappoints. And so, uh, Lord, may we go from this place rejoicing. May we go from this place uh, carrying that hope with us. Father, we do again lift up Pastor Victor and Lydia to you. Father, our, our hope for them we know will not disappoint. However, that, that looks in your plans. Father, we have our desires. We know what we want. Father, above all else, we want your glory. We want your purpose accomplished. And so we die to our desires. We die to ourselves. And we cling to the hope that you have given us, Father. Thank you again in Christ's name. Amen.